Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, women are wanted. Inland Fisheries Ireland has just launched its Women Try Fishing programme. This initiative will see us running more than 20 events to give women the opportunity to try fishing in 2020. We'll discuss just what is a classic boat and hear why an international maritime lawyer has lodged a complaint about the Marine Casualty Investigation Board with the Gardaí. We're here today to lodge a formal complaint with Angadashir Corner about the current status quo in the Irish Maritime Safety Framework. This island nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme coming to you from the studios of CRY 104FM in Yole on the East Cork coastline and bringing together the maritime community around Ireland, an island people, a community bonded by the sea around us. That bond derives from centuries and still remains. We'll hear a special memory from the past when fishing was different. Telling and mackerel were the fish that gave the best earnings. Both were caught by drift net, while hand lines were also used to catch the mackerel. In time, the herring became the more popular fish. You're very welcome to contact the programme. Your views and comment will be most welcome. Email to me, thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com or phone 0872 555 That's 0872 555 Gender equality is an absolute requirement of life today, and so there is a new initiative to get more women involved in what's claimed to be the biggest participant sport in Ireland, angling. Miles Kelly reports from Inland Fisheries Ireland. Inland Fisheries Ireland has just launched its Women Try Fishing programme. This initiative will see us running more than 20 events to give women the opportunity to try fishing in 2020. We are delighted to have renowned angler and one of the world's leading fly casting instructors, Glenda Powell, partner with us to deliver that training at various venues in Ireland between April and September of this year. What are the venues I hear you ask? Well, there will be four days of events at each of these locations. The River Shannon in Limerick, the Blackwater in Cork and the Moy in Mayo. Now, before I go any further, it's really important to say that the aim of this programme is to give women an opportunity to try fishing in a relaxed and supportive environment with other beginners. So with that in mind, all the coaching and training will be provided by women. So you won't see my ugly mug out there or have to listen to my grating voice. This entirely women-delivered programme will be unique in Ireland. When you take part, Glenda and the team from IFI will concentrate on you as an individual. The aim is to meet your needs during the programme so you can come away an angler with the confidence to go fishing, join a club or hold your own with other anglers. The course will be a mixture of spinning and fly fishing to ensure that you can experience a variety of fishing methods while figuring out which method works best for you. 
You will be encouraged to progress at your own rate of learning, to increase your confidence on the water and develop new skills. When you finish the course, we'll have everything on hand to make sure you can progress to the next level, with details of future programmes and also all the information on how to join the local angling clubs. The programme is open to all women aged 18 and over. Now, booking is essential. There are only a limited number of spaces and they're filling up fast. So, if you're interested in taking part or would like more information, visit fisheriesireland.ie forward slash women. In angling news, there's not a whole pile to report. The weather has been pretty poor. Loads of rain and high winds from recent storms have made angling impossible in most places. Mind you, there were a handful of salmon reported. In the last couple of weeks, the first catch and release fish was given its freedom on the drows, and there were three springers reported at Delphi. Trout anglers are making the most of some awkward enough conditions in Loch Carb, which opened in the middle of February. The traditional approach is to troll a burkeen, a minnow, and it's been working a treat so far, where shelter could be found. One angler caught and released a lovely trout of £7, and there have been plenty of fish to £4 reported. I don't have anything else to report, so that's all from me this week. Save fishing to all, and don't forget, CPR saves fish. Miles Kelly reporting from Fisheries Ireland, the National Agency for Sea Angling and Inland Fisheries. Angling is a great activity to get involved in, so if you're interested in that new project, to get more women engaged in the sport, for more details, go to the website fisheriesireland.ie forward slash women. International maritime lawyer Michael Kingston, who's well known as a leading advocate for the rights of the relatives of the French and Irish victims of the Betelgeuse oil tanker disaster in Bantry Bay, has called on the Gardaí to conduct an inquiry into the state's role in investigating marine accidents. He gave Gardaí documents in pursuit of a request to investigate what he's described as failings of the state in investigating maritime accidents as a matter of urgency to save life and to establish the fundamental rights of victims in death and those of their family members in investigations. Outside Garda headquarters in the Phoenix Park in Dublin, accompanied by a number of supporters, he outlined his complaint. We're here today to larger formal complaint with Ungardashir Corner about the current status quo in the Irish maritime safety framework which is fundamentally flawed in that the Marine Casualty Investigation Board is not independent from the state which is fundamentally um, breaches European law. The Chief Surveyor in the Department and the Secretary General or his nominee are on the board and information significant information has been provided to me by several whistleblowers either from within the department or from uh, the investigatory um, world of surveyors or employees um, in the department. A very windy situation when he was giving that explanation. But so what are the specifics of his complaint about the Marine Casualty Investigation Board? because the whole purpose of the board is to improve the safety of people operating in in the maritime sector in Ireland, including all pleasure craft um, users, fishermen um, and the the merchant fleet. And if we don't learn lessons from the marine casualty investigations, 
then we can't rectify the position, we can't save life going forward. And the failings that are taking place today are a recurring theme from what happened in the Whitty Island disaster, where the state completely failed to reflect on their own responsibility for failing to enforce regulation, which basically caused the death of everyone. I delivered a very detailed letter, um, a 14-page letter. They will get back to me um, in, in due course. Irish international maritime lawyer Michael Kingston, who works with leading world marine agencies such as the International Maritime Organization. The Guardian has said they're examining the documents he launched. There's not been any official comment on Mr Kingston's claims from the Marine Casualty Investigation Board. And Mr Kingston has also intervened in a legal case in the United States involving the Titanic, where the salvage company, which holds rights to it, sought permission in a Virginia court to penetrate the hull of the wreck. This has been opposed by several interests. Mr Kingston objected that no proper consultation had taken place with Ireland's interests as a nation in the salvage request. Particularly, he said, because of the need to consider the families of those who died, but also the ship's other close connections with Ireland, both in Cork, where emigrants boarded at Cove, and in Belfast, where it was built. His intervention has led to the court refusing the salvage company's request. That has been deferred to an unspecified future date for a further hearing. Now, Justin Marr has a roundup of maritime news from at home and overseas. You may not have known it, but China is one of the biggest manufacturers of raw materials that go into vitamin C supplements. These are amongst many commodities held up as shipping is affected by the coronavirus. It's not just cruise ships which have been affected. More important is the economic effect, because 80% of the world's exports and imports move by sea, and China is home to seven of the world's 10 busiest container ports. Shipping companies that carry goods from China to the rest of the world have reduced the operations of their vessels, and a number of countries are now being affected. According to the International Chamber of Shipping, this means that the arteries of global trade are clogging up. Cars and machinery, clothing and other consumer staples, including various foods and drinks, are shipped in containers and as bulk cargo. The longer the health crisis lasts, the harder it will be to move goods around the world, according to the Chamber of Shipping. So shortages of various goods can be expected this year. As an aside to this, sales of the Mexican beer Corona have slumped to their lowest in two years, and there's less demand for it to be shipped anywhere. Now, just what is a classic boat? There are various descriptions. A definitive opinion comes from the West Cork Harbour, which runs the Classic Boats Regatta, as you would expect. Glandor Harbour Yacht Club has announced that this year's regatta will be held from the 18th to the 25th of July and says it's expecting some of the best of the classic boats to be there. Cormac O'Carroll of the organising committee outlines what a classic boat is. The classic regatta at Glandor has been running, I'd say, since uh, about the early 90s, 1992. We had our first one. And I think one of the things that keeps people coming back to the harbour is the fact that they come along for a lovely week of sailing with like-minded boats and like-minded people. The harbour itself, of course, is a beautiful harbour to sail in, and it's got many comfortable anchorages as well. 
I think also that the idea of a plastic boat has appeals to many more people, more so now than before. And uh, what we've always been saying to people, if you think your boat is a classic, it probably is, and you should come along and join in the regatta with us. More and more people are, are becoming engaged with plastic boats with restorations and rebuilds and relaunches. So it is a growing and popular area of sailing. The regatta will coincide with the Cork 300th regatta, marking the tercentenary of the Royal Cork Yacht Club at Crosshaven in Cork Harbour. That will have a section for classic boats, which are expected to go from there to Glandore. It should be a classic occasion in West Cork. The Seafarers International Research Centre at Cardiff University has produced a film which reports that ships' crews are often faced with demands for cash and provisions when their vessels enter ports around the world. The centre's academics say that ships have to succumb to these demands to prevent their schedules being delayed. Lloyd's Register Foundation provided funding for the 16-minute film called Problem Ports, Seafarers' Stress and Subjugation as a Result of Corrupt Practice. This is the introduction to the film by the centre's researchers. Traditionally approaching a port is uplifting for seafarers who may have been at sea for days without sighting another living soul. Today, however, things have changed and research that we recently conducted at the Seafarers International Research Centre paints a very different picture. Our research shows that contemporary seafarers often experience stress rather than excitement when they approach a port and this feeling is worse in some parts of the world than others. The reason for this stress is that in many ports, seafarers find that when dealing with port officials, they face a series of demands for sundry goods from the ship's bond, like alcohol, soft drinks, and cigarettes. And if they're unable to meet the demands, they may be threatened with action that will delay their vessel and put them in trouble with their employers. The film can be seen on the Seafarers International Research Centre website, sirc.cf.ac.uk, and on YouTube. At home, a seafarer wellness conference to address human issues in the maritime industry, such as job satisfaction and stress, and focused on seafaring and fishing, will be held at the National Maritime College of Ireland, Ringeskiddy, Cork, on Thursday, the 26th of March. For tickets, go to eventbrite.ie. In the Arctic, about which we report often on this programme, a small bird that died during the last ice age, 46,000 years ago, has been found in Siberian permafrost, where it was shielded from decay and scavengers. The Stockholm Centre Evolutionary Genetics has described it as extraordinary, in pristine condition, looking like it had died just a few days before it was found. Back on home waters, Galway Bay Sailing Club is celebrating its 50th year. It's one of several clubs with notable anniversaries this year. The Royal Cork Yacht Club at Crosshaven in Cork Harbour is the oldest in the world, marking 300 years. Loch Ree in Athlone is the second oldest in the world, marking 250 years this year. And by comparison, another youngster is Monkstown Bay Sailing Club in Cork, 50 years old. And finally, there's always something unusual in the sea. Three United States World War II aircraft, which were shot down during Operation Hailstone, the battle against the Japanese naval base in Truk Lagoon in Micronesia on the 17th of February 1944, have been found. The base was so well fortified that it was known as the Gibraltar of the Pacific. 250 Japanese aircraft and nearly 50 ships were destroyed in the two-day battle. 30 American aircraft were shot down, with 23 crew lost. 
The three planes were undetected for 76 years, even though the lagoon is a popular location for divers. And in response to inquiries from listeners, the Alta cargo ship, which went to ground near Ballycotton on the East Cork coastline, west of Yole, from where we broadcast this island nation, is still there, and likely to be there for a while, it seems to me. In my time reporting shipwrecks, I remember the Ranga going aground on the Kerry coastline in March 1982 near Slayhead, and the beautiful Kuminol Beach out from Dingle. That wreck stayed there until the sea eventually wore it away after several years. The 900-foot-long Kowloon Bridge grounded on the Stags Rocks off Castle Townsend in West Cork in 1986. The sea wore that away in about a year. The Samson Crane Barge grounded near Ardmore in County Waterford in 1987 and stayed there as the sea wore it down, and parts of it can still be seen. I keep pointing out that Ireland is an island nation, the first land barrier to the sea as it rolls in from the Atlantic. So... Isn't that why we get such weather variations and from time to time, ships in trouble? Now to a memory from the past. The late John Baldwin was a noted fish buyer for many years and also an active fisherman. I interviewed him a few times at his home in Passage East beside the River Shore in the Waterford Estuary about the fishing industry. His knowledge and experience were wide. His son Tom has sent me an audio in which his father recalled memories of the fishing industry in his days. In the seas around Ireland in olden times, fish were caught by fishermen in small open boats that were propelled by oars. Later on, some of the boats were fitted with sails, and this made the job a bit easier for the fisherman. Most fishing was done within sight of land. The fishing limit operating was measured as three miles, this being the longest distance that a cannonball could be fired. In those early days, the fishermen had no fish-finding equipment, but they were very astute men, and they learned their trade very fast. The men could identify the shoals by oil on the water or gannets feeding. Both signs are a good indication of the presence of fish beneath the surface. Herring and mackerel were the fish that gave the best earnings. Both were caught by drift net, while hand lines were also used to catch the mackerel. In time, the herring became the more popular fish. When the skipper and his crew returned to shore with the catch, Hopefully, there would be many merchants on the pier who would compete for the landings. The large quantity fish buyer would carry away his purchases by donkey and cart. The small buyer had to resort to carriage by bicycle bar, hand barrow, or in extreme circumstances on his back. The system of purchasing was unique. It was called earnest. Fisherman and buyer would bargain until an agreement was reached. The buyer would then take some coins from the purse and cast the money into the fish lying in the boat. Thereafter, no other buyer could negotiate for that catch because the sale was a legal contract. The method of measuring the catch was unusual and confined to the fish trade. Three fish to one hand, 42 hands to one long hundred, six long hundreds to a mace. A major change took place when the steam engine drifter became popular. It was distinct with its black smoking stack and a mizzen sail at the stern to keep the propeller out of the nets while setting or hauling the gear. With the increased catches that occurred because of the newer fishing methods, the industry expanded greatly 
and the fish auction came into being. Although now, due to the present quota on catches, the contract sale is being revitalised, the wheel turns a full circle. Indeed it does. The late John Baldwin, fish merchant and fisherman, recalling times past in the fishing industry. The catching sector is the front line of the industry these days, processing being vital to getting fish to the consumer. We'll have a detailed look at this aspect in the next edition of This Island Nation, when I talk to the founder and chairman of one of the biggest fish processing companies in Ireland, Dennis Good, who started the company Good Fish in 1988. It's now one of the largest fish processors in Ireland. And you can also read that interview in the March edition of the Marine Times. Now we head to the islands, which have been taking a bit of a weather battering recently. Rhoda Twombly is secretary of Cogol Ilona Heron, the Islands Federation, and lives on Inishalar in Clubain, County Mayo, from where she sends her monthly report about island developments. I'm sure most of you feel this is the longest winter in history. However, many islanders say that it reminds them of winters of their childhood. But my spirits lifted, seeing a newly blossomed hyacinth yesterday. Better days to come. As mentioned previously, the Cogolilon Aran AGM will be held on Aranmore Island, Donegal, this year. The AGM weekend starts on Friday the 3rd of April with walking and bus tours to points of interest and a visit to Modem, Ireland's first offshore digital shared workspace. After an evening meal, there'll be a social gathering, a time to meet with old friends, lupriate the voice boxes and maybe sing a song or two. The business of the AGM will be on Saturday, followed by a question and answer session with officials from the Department of Culture, Heritage and the Gaeltacht, and a seminar session with talks on developing sustainable islands. As there is as yet no government form, it is not known who our new minister is, and obviously unknown whether he or she will attend. All are welcome. We are keen for as many islanders as possible to travel to Aranmore for this chance to meet up, discuss issues and solutions, and of course enjoy ourselves. Transition year students on Aranmore have designed a board game, Aranmore Ahoy, as part of a mini company competition. It is based on snakes and ladders, but all the questions and board squares are based on island history and geography, and it's in Irish and English a fun way to learn history and some Irish too. You can order through the Aaron Moore Ahoy Facebook page. Walking with the Stars on Inish Turk Mayo takes place 24th of April. The event has already sold out, as this is a very attractive package for people who love to stargaze without all the ambient light of urban areas. Part of the International Dark Sky Week, this special event promises to be memorable. It is hoped that a similar event will be organized for September. This year sees the 17th running of the Inish Ironman event, one that no runner, be they beginners or experts, will want to miss. There's a 5, 10, or 12K route across the stunning island of Inishman. There's a barbecue after the race and a goodie bag included. Please see inishironman.com for booking details. Good news for Inishturk and Clare Island, who have recently filled their community development officer vacancies. Mary Helena O'Toole, who is Inishturk born and bred, has worked in the office for years as second-in-command and now takes over the role of island development coordinator. Brendan Tobin, originally from Galway, 
has accepted the development position on Clare Island. Brendan is very widely traveled, a solicitor by profession who has spent 25 years working on issues of environmental justice, human rights, commercial law, and community development. We congratulate Mary Helena and Brendan and look forward to working with them. So for now, it's Slán from the Islands. Rhoda Twombly reporting from Inishalar Island and from another island, Valencia in County Kerry. The Heritage Centre there writes to tell me about their annual general meeting this month. It will report that the centre had 2,000 visitors last year. There'll also be a report about their work in preserving the history of the island, which is connected to the mainland by a bridge. Amongst the work done last year was preparing an archival booklet about the island's marine radio station. That'll be published this year. And they're also doing research on ancient burial sites and holy wells. And finally, before we end this edition, going back to shipwrecks, I heard a phrase at a debate by the Cork Literary and Scientific Society in the past week where they were talking about shipwrecks. And the lecturer summed up by saying, it was a time when the might of nations were found in the bellies of tall ships. A phrase worth remembering. With that, we end this edition of This Island Nation, produced at CRY 104FM, Yole on the East Cork coastline, with technical supervision by Justin Marr and Broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland, Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. On Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio, in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. On Radio Karkabosh Geen in Clare, Kilkenny City Radio, West Limerick 102 FM, in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Belmullet, Cork City Radio, West Cork FM and Community Radio Bear Island podcasts on iTunes, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and themarinetimes.ie Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. The programme email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com phone and text 0872 That's email thisislandnation at gmail.com phone or text 0872 Until our next program from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing. 